When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Taylor Kyle's here for CLNS Media with another episode of Bats Daily, brought to you by our friends at FanDuel and SeatGeek. More from them later in the show. But first, the Patriots pulling off another road upset win, this time against the Denver Broncos. Gotta say, I'm not going to say I didn't see this one coming because I think the Broncos have shown some instability. Their defense is pretty middle of the pack, really bad against the run, although the Patriots' run offense obviously hasn't been great. And then in terms of their offense, it felt like a unit that the Patriots could have success against. We saw what they were against the best in the NFL, against Patrick Mahomes, who did beat them at times when he extended plays with his legs, got outside the pocket and things like that, and just worked his magic. Now, we did see Russell Wilson have success in a similar capacity, and that's why everybody wants these dynamic young quarterbacks. Not that I'm calling Russ young, but he is still a dynamic player who's able to extend plays and, once again, work that magic that you see from so many of these newer type of quarterbacks as the league kind of gets away from the prototypical pocket passer and more into guys who can make their own uh, plays happen and kind of elevate the entire offense just on their physical abilities and instincts. Now, that being said, I I did think the Patriots had a chance. I didn't expect such an entertaining game. Now, there were some significant lulls, as we saw. But it was cool to see the Patriots' offense, you know, open with the fumble. That was bad. Bailey Zappi took too long getting backside to Demario Douglas, which was the right read. But once again, not quickly enough. And you saw him end up trying to force a throw when he should have just eaten a sack. So he's still learning there. But to see him, again, there were lulls, but the fact that we saw him bounce back and there weren't any more turnover-worthy plays, and he excelled going downfield, specifically going deep. Like, I feel like every week you see little bits of uh, improvement from Bailey Zappi. Whether it's, uh, I think the throw to Demario Douglas was like the biggest one that popped off in my head where he uh, steps up against pressure and while he's still going up and has forward momentum, he delivers a catchable ball to Demario Douglas deep on an off-schedule play when he didn't like his first read. You saw something kind of similar against the Chiefs where he steps up and launches it. That time Demario Douglas was wide open and it almost got intercepted because Bailey Zappi was so off. Now, I will say uh, his short accuracy needs work. There's also times where he's either too fast or he's too slow going through his progressions, and you can see that he's kind of leaving some plays on the field. But at the same time, there's examples like the Mike Kosicki touchdown, where I thought he could have thrown with anticipation and had a better chance at throwing a touchdown first. But you got to credit him for being able to make it work later in the down and still find Mike Kosicki. You did a great job finding space in the back of the end zone and converting for a touchdown. Like when you talk about the, these newer quarterbacks and the guys that the Patriots could and still should be drafting uh, this uh, upcoming spring, 
there is that ability to make things happen where even if you miss your first read, which is going to happen with young quarterbacks, and Bill O'Brien noted for Bailey Zappi, he's not experienced, he's still learning. But that ability to make things work later in the down when you do make mistakes early on is critical in the modern NFL. It's always been important, but again, especially because there's all these athletic freaks in the league who can do it on a consistent basis. I think you saw that from Zappi. Also, the pocket mobility. He didn't, you know, he doesn't have the greatest athletic tools. He's not a Jaden Daniels where he can run and make big plays happen with his legs. But the ability to still find space and make throws downfield was there. Again, Bailey Zappi, only turnover-worthy play was on the opening play of the game when he was strip sacked. So I was really impressed with him. Uh the Patriots defense, I thought, uh, kind of touched on how. Russell Wilson was still able to make his plays outside of structure. The run defense, you know, I thought the Broncos exploited them at times. Not consistently. I, this is still the league's best run defense. Uh, but I thought that they exploited a tendency where the Patriots, when they get nub formations. What's a nub formation? A nub formation is when the tight end is the last person to one side of the field. All the receivers are on the other side. So specifically, that tight end will usually be attached to the formation. When the Patriots see those they'll typically have one of their safeties blitz off the edge with a cornerback dropping deep to provide coverage to make sure nothing gets thrown over their heads. So the uh, Sean Payton, I almost said Sean Payton and the Saints, Sean Payton and the Broncos realized that tendency and actually ran away from it on some outside runs, which I thought was a really smart little detail they had. They would use receivers by giving them good angles to block Anthony Jennings, who obviously is an elite run defender. But sometimes if you don't get the right angle and you don't know where the block is coming from, it can make you a bit late. So I thought they had some success there. But overall, another dominant performance from the Patriots defense. Really impressed from them. Special teams, I feel like a Marvin Mims big return was almost guaranteed. Like We all knew it was going to happen at some point. He was the top returner in the NFL. The Patriots have had so many struggles. And on his big return, you saw it. Brendan Schooler missed a tackle. There were a couple bad uh, angles, a couple missed tackles. Not the kind of thing you want to see. But they also made plays in the kicking game. You got Marte Mapu, who really struggled to make any positive impact for the majority of this season. But he has back-to-back forced turnovers in back-to-back games, which is really impressive. You love to see him bouncing back. So, you know, it wasn't the most complimentary game. There were times where, you know, the offense slowed down. The defense kind of let the Denver offense get some momentum. Special teams allowing big plays. But at the same time, I thought that it was good to see that there was a level of, uh, you know, picking each other up at certain moments and making plays when they needed to be made. I'll uh, get into the mailbag, but that's my recap of the game. Uh, really do think that uh, Bill Belichick and Bailey Zappi have created a situation where the Patriots could have to make some pretty interesting decisions if they end up either winning out. If they, No one's expecting them to beat the Bills. They kind of lucked out in week seven, although the Patriots pass rush plan I thought was fantastic and was a big factor in them being able to uh, slow down the Bills offense. But this is a different Bills team where they're kind of rolling. they got a really revitalized run game. So we'll see what happens. But if they're competitive against the Bills, and then we see them the next week take on the Jets and beat them in convincing fashion, I think it's impossible to just go out of that and say, well, Belichick's going to get fired and Bailey Zappi has no place as a starting quarterback. I think we're going to have to start having those conversations as Zappi has shown consistent progress, still has his holes, 
I, I'm not locking him in as a starter or anything like that, but I'm saying he's going to have to be somebody who at least gets an opportunity to fight for the starting job if he continues to improve, cut down on the turnover-worthy plays, while still generating the big plays downfield and being able to be good in the pocket, as we've seen, despite the fact that the offensive line is crumbling around him at times. Uh, but yeah, from that uh, interesting things coming up, but right now we're going to focus on the mailbag questions. Right before I get into that, though, Quick word from our friend. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel. You know it's America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Look, if you're not good at math, you, you even you know that's a good deal. I mean, I'm not good at math. and I, I know that's a good deal. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off your NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, here we go, folks. Now pay attention to this. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so I'm going to start taking the mailbag questions you all submitted to my Twitter account. But if you're in the chat right now, a little quiet, <laughs> but make sure you throw in your questions. I will make sure to get to them. I want to make sure we get that dialogue going. I love when I can talk to you guys live. It makes this a lot of fun. All right, the first question we got. So did you look away or cringe a bit as Chad Ryland was attempting the 56-yard game-winning field goal? Mm, so I... Entering the game and until, you know, Chad Rowland made the kick, I was fully team tank. Like I, like anybody, I was super entertained and I loved seeing the Patriots show some fight and be competitive in the game. But I was kind of hoping for another Chad Rowland miss, if I'm being totally honest. Um, so in that regard, I wasn't flinching. I was watching kind of based on what had happened in the game, expecting that he was going to miss, especially because you think about, you know, going back to the Giants game where he had a chance to tie the game and give them a chance to win. And ultimately couldn't get it done. Uh, but this was one of those times where it really reminds you how hard it is to root against this team. Especially with how hard they've been working, the resiliency they've showed. And Chad Ryland just epitomized it in that game. It was like a microcosm of the entire season. Where, you know, he has the two really tough misses. Just like the Patriots for most of the season. Looking like a team where you really don't have any faith in them because you're just assuming the worst based on what they put in front of you. Uh, but Ryland just nailing that 56-yarder. All the credit in the world to him. And as someone who's in the locker room consistently, seeing Chad, the way he handles us, he's always really kind. Um, and he's a hardworking dude. And that's very obvious by how, you know, the faith that his teammates have shown in him and uh, the camaraderie that they show. So I was honestly, uh, I was hoping that he was going to miss, but I was happy to see uh, Chad end up make it. I'm team Chad. Um, as much as, you know, it made things weird with the Patriots draft position, they went from the second overall pick to the fourth overall pick. Uh, it was nice to see him bounce back and uh, secure the win for the Pats, who really deserve it because those guys have been working their tails off. All right, getting to the next question. 
Although I think Bailey's played well, I don't think he's the answer long term. How do you see it playing out at quarterback in 2024? So I think, like I said earlier, if Bailey Zappi, they win out the next two games, or you start to see consistent improvement where, you know, we had the two weeks where Bailey Zappi just turned into a pumpkin after really strong first halves, and then just the decision-making and uh, the ball protection just evaporated after that. Then we saw last week, he has the opening turnover and then plays a pretty good game after that. Again, short accuracy, needed some work, decision-making wasn't great, but for the most part, especially on the downfield throws, I mean, the guy looked really good. So if that continues, and again, more progress, I think we do see him as someone who legitimately is fighting for the starting job because they knock out a couple more wins for a team that was just showing no signs of life for most of the season. That's a pretty big boost, and I don't think it can be ignored. That said, the team has to address quarterback in the draft. I don't care if Bailey Zappi throws you know, eight touchdowns over the last two games. He still has a limited skill set. And that limited skill set, you know, if you're, I guess Joe Burrow is the closest comparison you think of for like a pocket quarterback who really thrives in the modern NFL. You have guys like Brock Purdy, who frankly, I think has like weird parallels to Bailey Zappi. Just watching them play, I see a little bit of, you know, the one guy's game in the other. But that said, there are still those moments where, you know, the ball protection isn't really great. Or uh, beyond just the physical limitations of like you can't extend plays and things like that, there's still other inconsistencies. So I think that if you get a chance at a Caleb Williams, a Drake May, a Jaden Daniels, if that means you trade up, I still think that the Patriots can't finish outside of the top 10 in the draft. So based on that, they still have room to move up for whoever they want. If you like a guy, yeah, they're waiting for Jaden Daniels, or I think you do trade up and try to acquire one of the top talents at the position because, you know, even if Bailey Zappi shows really good things to close out the season – the modern NFL really thrives on these guys who can burn perfect defenses and make magic happen. And at the end of the day, quarterback is still about decision-making. It's still about accuracy. You know, it's still about leadership, things like that. And I think you still get that from the other guys, but I think the added athleticism and playmaking ability they give you is so invaluable. And if you pass that up, no one knows when you're going to get another top 10 pick. So squandering that opportunity, I feel like would be a really big waste and something that could hurt the Patriots long-term, kind of keep you in that middle-of-the-league territory with, like, the commanders and teams like that, and that's not where you want to be because all that is is going to make you irrelevant and just torture your fan base for the foreseeable future. All right, if the Patriots get the pick between four and seven, what position do they take, quarterback, receiver, or offensive tackle? Again, I think you got to go receiver. I mean, I'm sorry. I think you got to go quarterback. Um, once again, because even if Bailey Zappi shows a lot of promise, worst case scenario, if Bailey Zappi plays well, wins the starting job after they draft a May, a Williams, or a Daniels. Like if he plays that well, worst case scenario, you've got a really good insurance policy where if Bailey Zappi, you know, his play falls off or something happens to him. You decide after the season that like, you know, he played well, but I feel like our ceiling is higher than what we saw from him. Then you slide one of those other guys in. And even if Bailey Zappi ends up playing for you for a few years, you still have a young, talented quarterback on a rookie contract that you control. And then it's kind of like a Jordan Love situation. Obviously, not the same. (laughs) Patriots don't have any version of Aaron Rodgers on their roster. But it's the kind of situation where you say, hey, we got a talented young guy. Hasn't had a chance to prove himself. Let's give him an opportunity and really see where he can can, uh, stand out because he has a higher ceiling. 
All right. The Patriots remain at four in the draft. Would you take Jaden Daniels? Where do you think Daniels goes in the draft? Would J.J. McCarthy be an option in the early second round? Jaden Daniels, I think that you can get him later in the top ten. I think, you know, top five areas where you're going to get Williams, May, Alt, Fashanu, Marvin Harrison Jr., maybe like a Roma Dunze if a team really needs a receiver in that area. I'm not sure he seeks in the top five. That said, I don't see him getting out of the top 10, and that's because of the explosiveness that he brings. One, he is a good quarterback. He's got his flaws, but he's a good quarterback. And the running ability he gives you. I mean, look at a Lamar Jackson. Lamar is a pocket passer, and that's where he wants to play the game. But he also has the ability to shred your defense when you do everything right because he's such a dynamic runner. And I think Daniels isn't quite at that level, but I think he gives you something similar where he would be one of the most dynamic running threats, especially a quarterback in the NFL as soon as he stepped onto the field. Uh, so I'd probably want to trade back a little bit. I wouldn't maybe take a four just because the team has so many holes. At some point, I'd like to see them trade back if the board looks good for them and just get some more picks and get some extra talent. Uh, but yeah, Jane Daniels, I, I don't think I'd want him that early. Uh, because again, I think that's where some more like truly elite, elite players where you don't have a lot of the concerns you have with the Daniels because of his age or uh, the fact that he's a fifth year senior and some of the concerns about his size. Can he hold up in the NFL? Things like that. You know, I don't think he's quite as well-rounded a prospect as other guys. So I think he could probably get more capital uh, before you pull the trigger on him. All right. If the Pats stay at four and Williams May and Marvin Harrison Jr. are gone, who would you advise him to draft? Uh, once again, Jaden Daniels, like I said, but you know, I'll assume that this is a reality where somehow Jaden Daniels is already taken in that scenario. I would like them to take someone like Joe Alt. I think that this is a team that needs protection above even the weapons. I, you know, we're seeing what Bailey Zappi is able to do. Not that the Patriots should go into next season with the receiving core they have or anything resembling it. They need major upgrades, but we're seeing what he can do even with, the you know subpar receiving core, and that's also considering the fact that the offensive line has been battered and he's getting pressured on like over a third of his dropbacks. So the Patriots ended up going somewhere that wasn't quarterback, wasn't wide receiver, or specifically Marvin Harrison Jr. If you're talking about maybe get like a Malik Neighbors or a Aroma Dunze, I would rather them get a tackle like a Joe Alt or an Olufushanu, lock up that left tackle spot so you don't have to think about it for the next decade, and just give your offense that level of stability build around whatever quarterback you have. And then I think once you got the protection issues down, I think that's when you start building and really try to get your weapons on offense and give your guys some playmakers. Although they need those, period. I'm not saying you neglect those. I'm just saying you could probably wait a little later in the draft to secure them. But before we move on, again, throw your questions in the chat. I need to hear from you. I want to answer your questions, have a little back and forth with y'all. But first, quick word from our friends at SeatGeek. We'll be back. Here for the best deal on Celtics tickets, and with over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports festivals, and more. With the NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons of full swing, you don't want to miss out. SeatGeek has your tickets to every game, plus artists like Travis Scott are on tour. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of 1 to 10, so look for the green dots. Green means good and red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. So as you know, I always come through for you guys. 
you can use my code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you check the link in the description to download the app. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So first, I got to acknowledge CLNS Media fam in the chat. How about Chad, huh? That was an awesome moment from Bryce Barron drafting the game. If you didn't see it, Check Twitter, really cute kind of moment where Bryce Barringer's leaving the field and he gives his fellow rookie specialist a little bit of love. Thanks for tuning in, Brian. I'll see you tomorrow, bud. Uh, all right. Again, send those questions. Send those questions. If you want this, keep going. We got one or two in the chat so far. That's all we got. That's all we got. But for now, what do you think the impact of middle field closed coverage heavy plans on the Pats run fits are? That's a really good question. So one thing I noticed in this game, or really for the past few weeks, Bill Belichick's acknowledged this, uh, Bill O'Brien's acknowledged this, is teams are starting to stack the box and specifically blitz much more. Now, they've played a lot of blitz-heavy teams, to be fair, but at the same time, it's very clear that teams are prioritizing stopping the run against New England. Like, especially when they go under center, you're seeing linebackers fire downhill. You're seeing defensive backs blitzing so they can get extra bodies in the box and create disruption and get the running backs to kind of speed up their timing a little bit. So the run game has been subpar, especially without Ramondre Stevenson. Like, he was the guy who was slipping tackles, making guys miss, whether it was running through him or running around him. You really saw week by week he was starting to look better. Then, once he went out of the lineup, you saw just how bad the Patriots' run blocking has been. Losing Adrian Clem has been a massive factor that cannot be understated. As always, we wish him the absolute best. But the fact that it's been a hodgepodge mix of uh, coaches who are trying to help out, Bill Belichick's involved with Billy Yates, who has been the uh, assistant offensive line coach for a while. He has needed help from Belichick and Will Long, who's the tight ends coach. So the effect of that and also the fact that you lose Cole Strange. Trent Brown is in and out of the lineup, and he's one of your best run blockers when he's healthy. Not having those guys has had a pretty dramatic effect on New England's ability to run uh, consistently. And also just the fact that they played some really good uh, players like the Steelers. You know, TJ Watt destroyed their run game almost single-handedly. But still, it's the aggressiveness of the run fits from these defenses even when it looks like the Patriots have pretty good push, they're not getting a whole lot out of it because they're not getting the second level consistently because there's too much going on, but they're also not winning one-on-one. So it's not even just that the defenses are winning on their own. The Patriots, when they have opportunities to take advantage of maybe some lighter box counts or when defenses don't blitz and they have a clearer picture where there's not a post-snap shift, they're still not winning. So between the aggressiveness of the defenses, the lack of consistency on the offensive line and talent, quite frankly, because of injuries and the fact that, you know, the players just aren't getting it done. It's been real tough sliding for the run game. Now, I'll credit uh, Bill O'Brien. He has tried to spread things out when that happens. You'll see that in their first uh, couple possessions that uh, Denver was really aggressive trying to stop the run. He comes out later, tries to spread it out, get some RPOs involved to try to just, you know, get his running game some breathing room. 
Still hasn't been a perfect formula. It's helped a little bit, but I mean, just the fact that we'll see how the Bills respond to Bailey Zappi having a pretty good game against Denver, especially going downfield, because that's the thing where you start to get these defenses to back off. If you show that you can beat one-on-one coverage or your RPO game starts hitting really well, which requires good blocking from your receivers, that's when teams get a little less excited about coming downhill and trying to get tackles for loss and blow up your run game. That's when you start seeing a little bit lighter box counts and you can get more balance on offense. So we'll see what happens. I don't think the Bills are going to be scared of Bailey Zappi, so he's going to have to prove that he can get it done despite them being aggressive like they always are uh, in the run game. Let's see what other questions we got in here. The answer, all right. If, is, it, is it possible if the Pats win this week that they could play spoiler for the Bills' playoff chances too? Does it depend on a ton of other games and factors because that'd be fun? I think that the Patriots, if they beat the Bills, could potentially spoil uh, their chances to make the playoffs, which considering the Bills were the favorites to win the division over the Patriots, obviously, but over also the Jets when they had Aaron Rodgers, over the Dolphins, like the Bills were the kings of the AFC East. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. It would be kind of nice to see them uh, get bumped out of the race. Uh, you know, I I have a lot of respect for that organization and their success and all the things that they do. But, you know, I'm still a division rival. So, yeah, that'd be pretty fun. But I think it's possible for the Patriots uh, to be a reason that they potentially don't make the playoffs. What else we got? How do we do it? A lot of patience, brother. A lot of patience. Uh, but also, I got the best job in the world. Super, super lucky. Should we bring back Josh McDaniels? I don't think if Bill O'Brien's on the staff that it's really necessary. I thought when he was initially let go that it would be a similar situation in 2011, although that was different because Bill O'Brien was clearly on his way out. I think Bill O'Brien wants to stay in New England. From his comments when he joined the team, it sounded like this was a place he wanted to be for the foreseeable future. So I feel like it would just be too many cooks in the kitchen. I'm sure that Josh McDaniels would like an offensive coordinator job. He's excelled in that role, just not as head coach. So, you know, if Bill Belichick does end up leaving, I feel like that's automatically where he's going to go to be the offensive coordinator. Bill Belichick stays. It's interesting, but I I just don't personally see Josh McDaniels, especially because he's also a quarterback coach, which is what Bill O'Brien's role is. I'm not sure how well like two alpha type personalities and roles would work together. Right. Let's see what else we got here. Let's see, that's a fun one. Do you think that the empty play slash a lot of Haas has functioned as much as we've seen in the past years? So Haas, you know, for those who don't know, uh, it stands for it's Haas Juke is the play that you know people tend to talk about. So Haas stands for hitches outside slot seams. So that means that on the outside in these empty formations, the receivers typically it's like an X receiver and a running back. They'll either run a hitch if they get off coverage or if they get press coverage, they will go off vertical. And then you'll have basically a four verticals concept with the slots, like I said, running seams and the outsides going deep. And that middle receiver, if it's against zone coverage, you'd like to put your best player after the catch your most dynamic weapon in that number three spot so that they'll probably end up matched up on a linebacker if it is zone coverage. Obviously a mismatch getting a good receiver with the ball in their hands against a linebacker. Now, I don't think it has been quite as effective as it's been in years past. I think one of the few times it's worked was with Ty Montgomery, like way back in week one. I think it worked last week, a similar type concept. It wasn't the same with Ezekiel Elliott running that juke concept. And then I think Demario Douglas has done it a couple times. It hasn't been the same as it was in years past because I think there have been one or two times where Pop ran it, and I don't think he ran it to the right depth with throughout the timing of the route. 
Um, so they haven't used it as often as I expected them, especially to use it entering this season. I think that's just because maybe of a lack of chemistry. Uh, but this weekend specifically, I thought the empty formations were working really well for New England. I really liked how they 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 integrated Ezekiel Elliott, who said his role was going to be bigger because Hunter Henry was out. You saw him at times, you know, get those mismatches against linebackers and Zappy hit him. But I loved what they did with Demario Douglas. So what you do in these empty formations is you put your playmakers inside. Because once again, if it's zone coverage, you're most likely going to get linebackers and safeties in the middle covering those guys. And if it's man coverage, then still by being inside, you have more space. You have two-way goes, and it makes it harder for the defenders to know where the receiver is going to go. I thought they did a great job, Bill O'Brien did, with Demario Douglas, using him at the number two weak spot. And when you're lined up there, you're typically matched up against either a safety or a linebacker. Again, because it's away from the strength of the formation, there's different ways the defense can respond. But the Broncos actually were aware of DeMario Douglas's presence there and used a nickel against him. So Bill O'Brien got crafty with it. Uh, actually, I think Zappi changed the play uh, the first time that uh, Pop was targeted from empty. And he got him on a slant inside. There was an adjustment where you saw the middle linebacker create space. Easy pitch and catch to DeMario Douglas. Got a first down. That was nice. And then you saw a quarter later, he got the same look from the Broncos. But instead of running a slant, you saw DeMario Douglas run a whip route where you start off like a slant, then you bring it back outside. Like that's the kind of stuff I was excited to see from DeMario Pop Douglas, where you get a guy who's a jitterbug with the ball in his hands, electric speed, things like that, and you get him in space and let him work. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think empty has been as effective as I was hoping it would be entering the season. But based on the plan last week, I think it might be trending up uh, as we close out the season. Try to get one more question here. What you guys got? What you guys got? Is that it? Okay, there's one. We'll close out with this. What would a Christian Barmore contract extension this offseason look like financially? Now, that's tough. I'm not really the math guru guy. We'll have uh, Miguel Benzin on as soon as possible to try to talk about that. He's great there. But you know what? I'm thinking that – let's see what some of the contracts are looking like. So let's go Because I have been on record for about a week saying that I thought that um, Christian Barmore is somebody that probably deserves like – legitimate all-pro, if not just pro-bowler recognition for the way he's played. Since around week six, he's been one of the best interior defensive linemen in the game. Now, defensive tackle is a stack position, and I understand it. Barmore doesn't make all-pro. I completely get it. But when you look at his consistency in terms of, yeah, he's making plays and racking up stats, that's good. But even more than that, you're seeing that on plays where he isn't making stats, the impact that he has, where he's getting in throwing lanes with his size, getting his hands up and getting quarterbacks to look elsewhere against the run, the times where he's double teamed and he's taken on a block and you see him not move despite, you know, getting a good chuck from another offensive lineman. Just the consistency down to down is really impressive, especially in a system with the Patriots where you're not really attacking upfield, you're really trying to control gaps, which makes it harder for defensive linemen especially to try to rack up numbers. And the fact that he's been dominant in that role, both when he is and isn't uh, involved in the play, I think has been tremendous. So looking at uh, – let's see if I can share my screen here. Um, can I share my screen? Yes, I can. The beauty of live shows, people, I always say it. <laughs> okay. So, looking at the biggest contracts for defensive linemen, the average is about 
Uh, no one's making Aaron Donald money. Aaron Donald is, is in his complete own category, but it looks like the average is about $20 million a year. Looking at who's getting paid that kind of money, especially considering this is an extension, so you're paying for future production. I think Barmore has shown you that he has the potential to be in that all-pro discussion where, you know, Aaron Donald's not going to be around for much longer. There's still a lot of really good young defensive tackles, but no Aaron Donald has the clear number one taking up that spot every year. Create some room. So I think that Barmore, again, has shown you that he can play to that caliber. So I think this kind of contract, you know, $20 million, if he's the highest paid player on your defense, I think that's completely fair. He's been balling for you. So, yeah, based on what we see there, I think about 20, probably 25 million is probably the most likely. And then you sign him to say probably a four year deal where it's really three years and that fourth year is kind of a dummy where you see what happens. You can get your extensions done, da da da, save money on the cap, all that good stuff. So, yeah, Barmore. Man, he's been balling. He's been doing really, really well. Awesome to see. Got a ton of praise this morning from Gerard Mayo and Demarcus Covington. Mayo even admitted that, yeah, we knew he was a great pass rusher, but the run defense has been a bit of a surprise for us. Uh, So, yeah, really cool to see that from him. Looking like a real stalwart on this defense and somebody that is a blue chip building block uh, for the foreseeable future. But that's going to do it for me tonight. Thank you all so much for joining the chat. Send me your questions on Twitter. Always appreciate the interaction. You guys are the best. Take care of yourselves. 